G'day and welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thank you very much. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Rachel Fernandez, who is doing a PhD in English Language and Literature under the supervision of Dr. Petra Faschinger. Welcome to Grad Chat, Rachel. Thank you so much. Now, before we get on to your research, Rachel, you recently joined our virtual dissertation boot camp, which, which we held this summer. In fact, we held two this summer. Why did you want to join a virtual writing camp and what did you get from it? Well, um, it was something I had wanted to do in the past. Um, I'm now entering my third year of uh, the PhD program. So now is the time that I'm really looking at getting some writing done. I thought it was a really good opportunity in the midst of this pandemic and mm-hmm. kind of feeling rather stuck um, just being in the same routine of trying trying to create a routine at home right. in writing. So And doing it by yourself. Exactly. So I kind of was looking for a little bit of a, a push to kind of keep that routine going and to kind of spark more of a, I guess, more of a routine or more of... I guess accountability. I was looking for mm-hmm. some of that, and and it was easier to be accountable to a group than just to myself. So totally, totally understand that. I used to do that same with sports, right? Which is why I always joined teams, right? Because I didn't know, I didn't want to look bad for the team. Right. So if it was just, it was a single, single sport. I had all the excuses under the sun not e- to go and do it. Exactly. So I think it's always easier to uh, to put things off if we're only accountable mm-hmm. to ourselves. So that's what I was looking for in the, in the boot camp. Oh, that's really good. And even though it was virtual, which is still not the same as being in a room with a group of people, you found that okay? I think it was easier for me to take the leap and actually sign up because it was virtual. Right. Um, just because it was easy to attend from home. Um, but I still had enough of that kind of accountability that I felt like I needed to sign in and check in and meet those goals that I right. was making each day. Right. But it was a good way to kind of put my toe in the water and and try that method out. And I would definitely do it in person now, right. um, given the opportunity, hopefully, yes. <laughs> in the next the next time it runs. Yes. But yeah, virtual was great. It was really great to just be able to kind of wake up and, and start my routine and check in with everybody else who is also working from home. Right. Yeah. I think it's interesting because people forget that writing can be very lonely mm-hmm. and it's easy to get in, as they say, the writer's block or whatever it is. Um, that you. So having something like this to be able to, mot- like you said, motivate yourself again, get, you know, no, I can do it. Mm-hmm. There's other people doing this with me. Let's do it together. Sometimes that's just enough to, like you said, kickstart your writing and then making sure that you're doing the writing. That's exactly it. Yeah, mm. it was it was nice to have that uh, just share kind of some of the, the common problems that we all face and then be able to kind of overcome those together. too. Y- yeah, you're not alone. Yeah. You're not alone, which is always the good point. And it's amazing how many people realize that they go, oh, God, you know, I'm looking around, whether it's in person or, or online. It isn't just me. We're all going through this. Mm-hmm. And I and I think what's really nice about the camps, too, and I guess I'm a bit biased, but uh, student academic success services, the modules and videos that they put on and the discussions. I myself, even though I'm not doing what you're doing, I found them fascinating. They are great. I actually really love those. Um, and it's funny, like I teach writing as right. a TA. <laughs> right. So sometimes I think I know everything. And then I get these great tips from um, SAS, which was 
so refreshing and so such a great reminder that there's always more to learn. Yes. Um, and there are different methods that you can try that you may not have known about. So mm-hmm. or, you've, or you'd forgotten. You think, oh, I'd forgotten about that one. Let's, uh, yeah, maybe you should try that. Yeah, well, sometimes it takes going back to basics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found that very helpful. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So that's a big tick there. <laughs> Actually, it was because of Boot Camp too that I noticed Rachel was on the list. <laughs> And I was going through some of the things that, you know, one of our th- one of the parts in the introductions was, what are you wor- what are you studying, all that sort of thing. And I re- went down. I go, well, that is fascinating. So we have to get Rachel on the show, which is what, exactly what we did. That's great. I'm so ex- I'm excited to be here and excited to share my research. Good. Well, and on that then on that night, we better get into it. So your research topic is Asian mixed race identity creation in contemporary North American literature. What a mouthful. <laughs> it, it, it is, but you're an English ling- language literature person, so yes. understandable. <laughs> so what does that exactly does that mean? Can you give us a bit of an overview? Sure. Um, so at this point, what my uh, research is about um, is the mixed race experience, um, which has been studied a little bit um, in Canadian literature, but not to the, I don't think, to the fullest extent. Right. Um, And in particular, I haven't seen as much uh, work being done about uh, mixed race people with Asian backgrounds. Okay. So that includes East Asian, Southeast Asian, etc. So my research is looking at where are these voices coming from Mm -hmm. um, in Canadian literature, but also sort of North American literature more broadly. Um, and what are people saying about themselves and their identities? Um, and how do they kind of express their identity through literature? Okay, so I've got quite a few questions I'd like to ask you okay. about that. So first of all, why pick this area of study for you? Mm-hmm. And all the, all the different topics you could go into with English literature, and I've heard a lot of them over the, over the years. Why that kind of topic? What brought you into doing that? Well, it's it's quite personal to me, okay. I guess. So the question that I had um, all through my kind of academic career, really doing an undergrad uh, degree in English and all the reading that I had done really up until that point, I was thinking, where am I represented? Right. Where's my voice? Yes. Mm. So um, my background is Polish Canadian, but also Indian Canadian. Okay. So uh, I come to this research as a mixed race person mm-hmm. and looking for representation in literature which is hard to find, or historically, I suppose, has been hard to find. So that's kind of where the question started, mm-hmm. is, is there have to be, I just thought there have to be some kind of, some kind of work, some kind of voice out there, but I just wasn't seeing it. So I was sort of on the hunt for that. So I guess, because you're talking about mixed race, you could find there's voices there of someone who was just Polish or someone who was just mm-hmm. Indian or mm-hmm. someone just Canadian, but mm-hmm. not necessarily of the, the mixed. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, um, too, in, in American and Canadian literature, there are some really great pieces uh, that are studied that are mostly about the black and white experience. Right. So there there is a body of work, certainly, um, that we're aware of uh, about mixed race experiences, but they weren't particular to 
my experience. Right. Um, and that's difficult, I think, to find. I think other mixed folks will, will attest to that. It's going to be difficult to find work that reflects our specific position right. because there are so so very many. <laughs> yes, true. But I, I thought there must be something that uh, kind of speaks a little bit more to, to what my experience is or is just interesting because it's an experience that we haven't really heard about that much or mm-hmm. looked at that much in terms of what we see as canon right. um, in literature. So... That's where the the kind of thought came from. I must admit, talking about reading, because I love to read, Mm -hmm. and very often when I read, I just read for the fun of it. Mm -hmm. And it's only when we started doing Bringing Back to Queen's The Queen's Reads, where you get given a book and you don't just read it, but they want discussion Mm -hmm. from it. And then I found I was looking at books in a totally different way to what I was originally reading. Reading before was just total enjoyment, run along, you know, read all the lines and get involved in a particular story. Right. But after that, then it was kind of like, oh, well, what was the meaning behind why they wrote it that way? And why did you bring a historical perspective in and all these sorts of things? So I can totally understand where you're coming from when you can sort of nitpick books and go, well, where's the voice of that group or that group and mm-hmm. that group? And it's it's funny, I, I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this interview, <laughs> the kind of first or some of the first um, pieces that I found that were discussing mixed race folks and the mixed race experience in literature are kind of, well, they speak about it in metaphor. So I'm thinking okay. about, in particular, mm-hmm. this children's book that I found in the early 2010s by Keo McClear. It's called Spork. As in, yeah, as in the the mix between a spoon and a fork. And it's this children's book. It's very cute um, and sweet. And it's about this this spork who is like a hybrid kind of utensil. Yes. But at the at the end of the day, I like as much as I liked the book, I thought, why is this the only book that I found that talks about the the hybrid kind of experience? And why do we have to discuss it in terms of kitchen utensils? (laughs) (laughs) Why can't we do this in a more like a you know literal way? I suppose. So that's that was also part of part of the journey of like looking into okay what are these sort of more yeah more complex conversations and why can't we why haven't we been able to really talk about them well maybe it was easier to talk about a, a spork as opposed to the individual identity certainly certainly and, and even in science fiction and fantasy mm-hmm. i find there's a lot of these hybrid creatures sort of half humans things like that which i see as kind of analogous to perhaps a mixed race experience and right. those are are very well well, well used, I guess, or common tropes that we see in, in those genre fictions, but we're not necessarily as comfortable talking about them in, no. a, in a real kind of way. Which is a shame that we have to try and figure it all out. Metaphorically. Metaphorically, exactly. <laughs> so what have you learned thus far about mixed race literature in North America? And I have to stress that you're only talking about North America. Mm-hmm. Are there particular texts or authors that you will or have been examining? Yes. So what I would highlight, I guess, about my research so far is that there are a lot of creative approaches to genre. Right. By which I mean, I started out uh, looking at my my proposal for my dissertation as going to be about sort of three different sections. Mm -hmm. I wanted to space it out into maybe fiction, poetry, and memoir. Okay. And what I've found as I've been reading more um, texts by mixed race people um, I found that there's a lot of overlap and a lot of kind of disruption of these categories. So that's been really interesting. Um, for example, there are poetry collections that feature a lot of visual art or they feature some prose poems. Right. So it's not as, as these, um, it's not as strict 
I suppose, the, the lines and, and the divisions of the genre. So that's what I've noticed lately in my reading, which has been really interesting. And it kind of suggests to me that a hybrid identity or a discussion of a hybrid identity is best expressed or is very, it's useful to use these hybrid forms as well. So using visual art, using words, but also, you know, how you put those words together. Is it mm -hmm. a poem? Is it a, a memoir? Can we use fiction and short story? And maybe all of those things help us to tell our stories. Which one have you found the hardest to, huh. to find? I would imagine the stories, not the not the poetry or the or the art. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it has been harder to find mm. longer pieces, novels. Um, and such about about the mixed race experience uh, in North America. And yeah, there's sort of a tradition, I think, or, or a little bit more of a, an acceptance of the memoir um, or mm -hmm. poetry because it is so personal. Um, so it has been a little bit harder to, to find those. So when you say poetry, because you're thinking about today's age, mm -hmm. you could easily talk, think about the rap songs, mm -hmm. you know, rappers. I mean, they're, they're poets. Yeah. Did you look at any of that as well or the the more what I would call the more pure form of poetry. You know, I haven't actually looked too far into music, but that's a really great avenue uh -huh. that you suggest <laughs> um, because there are and there are it's a very um, uh, eclectic kind of mix of people who who do um, hip hop and rap. So mm -hmm. I think it would be a really good place to take a look. Certainly, there are people who discuss their heritage and they're like quite political about mm -hmm. where they're coming from. So that would be yeah, definitely. Well, you've already hit on an, another word there, but political. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed any differences in the literature that you have been looking at? Are they more on a political nature or are they personal or are they a, a mixture of all sorts of things? I would say they lean towards uh, that mixture again. Mm. But I think that there's something kind of inherently political almost about talking about race, particularly uh being like a person of color or, mm -hmm. or not discussing uh, necessarily being mixed with white. That's something that I, I wanted to talk mm -hmm. about a little bit in my dissertation is to kind of find those narratives as well, where you have people who are mixed who don't identify as white um, or don't have white heritage. And right. that's quite important because I think that the sort of default um, that we think about is mixed race equals mixed with white, which mixed is not true. White. So so yes, like I think there is something very political about discussing who we are and kind of staking a claim to the literature um, and saying that our voices matter just as much as, as these other um, voices that we've looked at seriously. So I know I'm going off my normal, the normal questions, but with that again, I love this, you see, this is why I love these <laughs> chats. With that again, you talk about often it's a mixed person who has white background mm -hmm. as well. Is there, on the flip side of that, the other race, is there a predominant other race that is getting talked about as part of that mixed race? That's a good question. Do you mean if, if a person is... So if there's someone's mixed race, is, a, is the other race, so to speak, as part of that mix, is it African? Is it, is it Chinese? Is it, right. uh, you know... It's looking at that part of it. Is there one particular other group mm -hmm. that is getting highlighted more in the literature? Not that I've noticed particularly. Like, I think that that might not be, I mean, that might be my experience of mm -hmm. reading. Um, but I, I think that what I'm, what I'm interested in, the, um, the sort of Asian uh, North American part, mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess, of, of my research is I, I think that that part has been downplayed or not ex explored as much. Right. So someone like um, Eternity Martis, who just wrote um, 
a great memoir called, I believe it's called, They Said This Would Be Fun. And it's about her experience right. at West, I think, Western University. And she is both black and uh, East Asian. Right. So she, I think she has Pakistani roots. And she talks more about her experience as a black woman. But that's understandable because that's how she's perceived by other people. Right. Okay. So I think often... So they don't see the, the Pakistani side. They just see the color of her skin. Yes, exactly. And so I think that does affect the way that... Well, I think yeah, I think it does mm-hmm. affect the way that that um, one sees oneself is how other people see right. see us. Right. Um, so that can be, um, I think, maybe that can drive more of a an interest in that one particular part of a heritage is okay. is perhaps how how other people perceive, perceive. us. Perceive, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So I've written down here with everything that's been going on in the world lately, with the pandemic, Black Lives Matter, and with you know as we know, Queens is really looking deeply into how we can improve EDI on campus, i.e., equity, diversity, inclusion, and indigeneity. Mm-hmm. You know, your research is really important and topical. Oh, thank you. So, what do you hope the findings of your research will do? What are you hoping it's going to show to people? Well, I think what I really hope for is. Um, I want to expand the field. Mixed race studies is sort of a subfield, a little uh, fledgling field, I guess, mm-hmm. in uh, within cultural studies, and it has lots of overlaps with different um, different fields as well. And I've been so lucky; I've been able to attend a few conferences that are specifically right. mixed race studies conferences, okay. um, which have been amazing experiences. They're so unique, um, and I've never really had that experience prior to that. Being in a room full of people who identify as mixed, who all have you know various unique experiences, but have this sort of commonality, this common experience right. of of kind of being in this liminal space a little bit. So being able to kind of pry apart even the little or the confines of, of what we sort of decided, I guess, that mixed race studies is, being able to kind of expand that even further and okay. to make a space for people of all kinds of mixes. So that representation kind of question that I talked about before mm-hmm. is one that I'm really passionate about and that I hope that other people will start asking these questions as well. Where am I represented? Right. Are there other people who are talking about the things that I'm talking about? So it's it's really drawing attention, I think, is that's kind of one of my goals is drawing attention to this. That's good. It's like the awareness approach, mm-hmm. right? It's, it starts somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, rather than just taking things for granted, let's start questioning everything. Because you, you mentioned about talk, going to conferences. You mentioned about, you know, there's other people there of mixed race and what they're getting from it, be able to have these great discussions and things. I wonder what, and I'm a white person, what a white person feels about those discussions, whether they get just as involved too because they also want to have a better understanding. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be curious to know because those spaces are so, they're so interesting to me and mm-hmm. so exciting and generative. All the conversations that are happening, all the sharing that's kind of going on. And and like I say, most people are from very diverse backgrounds. So you're not mm-hmm. really going to have a necessarily like an identical experience to someone right. else, but there are commonalities that we share. So I would be curious about that um, if you're coming in as kind of a, a fly on the wall, maybe, or, yeah. you know, listening to what what's going on. Because I think, too, maybe there's a perception, I think, that if you're mixed, you're not quite enough one thing or the other. Or that's the fear, I think, that a lot of people have who are mixed, is that sort of feeling like there's not enough uh, acceptance on either side, or that right. they're watered down in some way. So just giving people the space to kind of just feel what they feel, and their experience is real. Um, Did you see anywhere in the literature talking about, because... 
I mean, I know you're talking about mixed race, but sometimes people's perceptions of things are depending on what country they're in. Now, I'm an immigrant, mm-hmm. so I'm an immigrant who... Actually, I've been an Im- immigrant for a couple of different countries. Australia, because I was originally born in England, and okay. then I went to Australia and New Zealand and here. But I am an immigrant. Mm-hmm. You know, I am not... I'm not born and bred here. Mm-hmm. So I was just wondering with that, whether the literature shows the difference between an immigrant who's only just arrived in the mm-hmm. country as opposed to one that's been born in the country and, as I say, has, is mixed race. It, yeah, I, I would... Yes, <laughs> I think is the short answer to that. Um, I think that... Um, there, yeah, there is a focus maybe on where are you from as if you didn't belong here mm-hmm. or that you weren't born here. There's an assumption based on how you look. So that's something that comes up a lot. But yes, like I would say that there is a stark difference in the literature between someone's experience who is sort of native to North America versus uh, someone who is maybe a member of a, of the, of a diaspora right. um, coming from right. elsewhere. So they have another set of challenges mm-hmm. um, on top of the kind of racial perception and that's not lost on me at all. I think a lot of the literature that I've been reading have, have written by and about people who are born in Canada or born in North America. So I think that the, those are important distinctions to make, certainly. Right. Um, and you're right, like there are different perceptions or different levels of comfort with mixed race um, around the world, right? If you go mm-hmm. to some countries in the Caribbean, people are very comfortable with the idea of uh, racial mixing, having a lot of um, overlapping culture and that kind of a thing. They may have more words and categories to kind of put people in different boxes about where they belong because of the way that they look or what their racial background is. But I have found uh, that in some of that literature, it's taken for granted almost that there are a lot of people that are mixed and that's very natural and very normal. Um, whereas here, I think uh, in North America, that is, there is more of a more more questions there are more questions about that mm-hmm. and maybe more of a hang up about where do we belong so the 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 characters in these whether it's the memoirs or the stories or anything that you're reading and the, and the poems are they being portrayed as in the positive or as a negative that's a great question that was sort of the the question I had as I was working on my master's thesis, because I, as I started doing more research, this was particularly into the um, black and white mix that right. we see written about, particularly in the United States. And there is this trope, right, of the tragic mulatto, um, someone who is always doomed to uh, this sort of life of, of sad liminality, not fitting in one way or the other. Um, and that's like a very historic kind of trope. And I wondered, does this mm-hmm. still exist in in modern literature? And there right. is an element of that, certainly, because it, I think it is difficult to live it, sort of in the hyphen, in, in that space in between. But what I'm finding is that most of the authors that I've looked at are pushing against this notion. Okay, They're acknowledging there are difficulties with sort of identity cultivation and feeling a bit torn, perhaps, or or not belonging to whatever side of their identity. But I think what I'm finding is authors want to look at the kind of fullness of the mixed race experience. And that includes joy, that includes, you know, questions, um, that includes difficulty, but it's all of those things. It's like a more holistic experience that they want to express rather than this tragic. Well, that's good. (laughs) Yeah, kind of fate. That's good. Otherwise it'd be a bit depressing, wouldn't it? Reading that all the time. (laughs) So is showing diverse identities in literature 
in school curriculum important? I think so, certainly, yeah. Because <laughs> um, I, I haven't been to school here in Canada, so mm-hmm. I don't know what does get shown in school. But Oh, it's been a, been a while since I was <laughs> in elementary school. <laughs> but certainly, like, I, I don't recall that there was uh, too much of a, a focus on, on diversity at the time. Mm-hmm. This could be changing, and I think right. friends that I have that are teachers are very invested in that and looking at um, showing children in particular and right. high school students um, diverse experiences um, because we're acknowledging our population is diverse and it would be really I think helpful to, to kind of reflect to the students what they're going through right, right. we no longer well not that we ever did but we don't have a population that is homogenous mm-hmm. and it's really important like I say representation is really important um, but it's also important to learn about people who are different from you mm-hmm. right so I think as, as much as we can, we should be introducing different perspectives and different identities um, into the things that we teach. We teach school children, right? Yeah, and high school students. No, I'm all for that too. <laughs> Bring on more of it, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> and so, which genres are showing the multiracial people with Asian heritage the most? I think a hybrid of poetry and memoir is okay. what I'm finding, mm-hmm. and that sort of started with. Well, from what I can tell, um, with Fred Waugh, um, who's a Canadian author who um, wrote a text called Diamond Grill that I'm looking at. And it's really interesting because he describes it as a bio text, um, oh, which is okay. sort of, a, uh, I guess, a hybrid way of describing what it is, because it is poetry. It's part memoir. Um, there's some prose in it. And it's about his experience um, on the West Coast of Canada growing up as his parents are running this kind of Chinese cafe. Right. So he kind of opened the door for a lot of other people to come in um, and then discuss their identities in a similar way or to kind of explode these categories of just poetry, just memoir. So I'm finding that there's more of those examples. Is that because it's more personal? I think so. Yeah, I think it may be not easiest, but it is something that... uh, you can draw on your own experience. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to story, you've got to try and weave it into... Weave a character, I mm-hmm. guess. Although you'd think it'd be quite easy, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, I keep finding there's more out there than I ever thought. Okay. You know, which is really great. <laughs> when I first started working on my master's thesis, I was thinking, like, where am I even going to start? What am I going to find? Right. And I find the more... It does take digging. It's not always right out there for us, which... I mean, I guess that's like anything, but the more that I look, the more that I find. And I think there's more as as the years go by, there's more. So again, with people uh, like Fred Waugh, then opening the door for other people, and then more contemporary authors even, like I said, Eternity Martis. She is, a, like, she wrote her book, I think, last year, 2019. And I think along with her story, there will be more and more and more, so... Yeah, it's a good time to be looking at this stuff. Well, that's good, actually, because particularly, like I said before, in these times right Mm -hmm. now where multiculturalism, more acceptance, you know, all those sort of things are coming into play. I'd like to think more of these sorts of stories are coming out Mm -hmm. that hit the bestsellers list, because a lot of the stuff that we read is you hear, oh, I heard about that book. I'm going to go and have have a read. Right. Now, if it doesn't incorporate all that, you've missed it again. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But like you said, you, you started off 
finding it difficult to find the books, but then suddenly you you found lots, and it was kind of like, well, where was that hiding? Exactly, and I think I'm finding too that in the kind of online realm in the digital world, there's a lot right. of information um, being shared, and that's available to people for free, which is great. So right. things like podcasts, things like um, Instagram pages where people are sharing their stories, like there's these different avenues that people are really using to their advantage to kind of discuss identity and to connect with other people in ways that weren't possible before. Right. So that's it's a pretty exciting time. Have you ever thought about writing your own? Um, yeah, I have. I, I, I write poetry and some of it is about that experience. Right. Which is nice. And I find that that avenue uh, allows for creativity and kind of a blend of images and fact and fiction. So right. uh, poetry really lends itself well, I think, to a personal expression, mm-hmm. obviously. So, but but yeah, there's something that I think about and something that um, maybe would be down the road for me. But at this right. point, I just, I think it's really useful to share my experience through things like this. Right, <laughs> yes, chat. exactly. But also through, uh, you know, conference presentations and that kind of um, presence to just show, and, and, and as a TA and as a teacher too, to kind of um, show people that there are other people out there who may share their experience, um, or if not, they can learn something about somebody else's experience. So you think you will bring more of this into your teaching? I hope so. I think it would be really interesting to do um, maybe a unit in a course or even, I mean, you could you could really design a course around the history of right. mixed race folks in any given country. Right. So that would be the, the dream, I suppose. I think, you, I think you'd get a lot of people signing up for it. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so before we finish, I just want to ask you a few things about other things that you do. Because yeah. as we know, grad students do all sorts of things. They don't just look at their studies, which is an important part, but they end up doing other things as well. <laughs> And so I, was, I always get the students to give me a couple of, what are the extracurriculars and things that they do? And you work on, you got here, you're working on an article about food and the mixed race identity. Yes. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because clearly you like to cook. I do. <laughs> it was a great marriage of, of two interests. <laughs> um, Why not? <laughs> yeah, this is um, a project that I was, I have been working on um, as part of, a project for the department, um, so something that I will have to do to get my degree. Mm-hmm. I'm called a special topic presentation. So, oh, okay. Yeah, that could be. It's a very open. Um, That's handy. Yeah, which is great. Mm-hmm. So it can be the pro- the project or the presentation can be about our work on our dissertations, but it could mm-hmm. also be about just a, a general interest. Right. And uh, I was able to kind of veer off a little bit from mm-hmm. my research into this realm of food studies, um, but I found that fascinating. Mm-hmm. So this paper is uh, looking at one story in particular about a mixed race character who is Indian and white and her experience kind of trying and failing to connect with that Indian heritage through food and through sex. Right. So yeah, I did a lot of reading about food studies, a lot of reading about Indian food in particular, um, and about the kind of process and knowledge that it takes to properly (laughs) cook, um, which was so interesting. I did a little bit of experimenting at home as well, which was fun. I've got a good curry I can do. Oh, do you? (laughs) That's wonderful. And I make a mean dal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been been a lot of fun to research, um, certainly, and I hope to turn it into an article. That's be great. Point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And then some of the other things you've got here, you're on the editorial board for the English Department student-run journal, The Lamp. I am. Yes, we're just about to launch, I believe it's issue number 10, but our, our most Excellent. recent issue, yeah, which is coming up. So. And who does that go to? Um, it's available online. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really, I think, uh, accessible to everyone um, right. and should be 
really quite interesting. We had so many uh, great submissions from all over the world, which was really exciting to see. And there's really nothing better than kind of helping other people put their get their work in print. Yes. Like, I really think mm-hmm. it's so exciting. And these are some, some people who have been published before, some people who it's their first time. Um, so it was really great. It was such a cool process to get all of these submissions, look through them, find the very best, and, and kind of work with these authors to get... Uh, their pieces ready for publication. And so you said it was, you can look at it online. So is that mm-hmm. something like thelamp.com or something? I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> I think okay. if you Google it, you should be able, you should to, be able find to find it pretty it? easily. Okay. Yeah. So if anyone's interested, go mm-hmm. and, well, yeah, Google it, The Lamp Journal. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. I think yeah. it is thelampjournal.com. Okay. And then, oh, so you were talking about Fred Wabi in, in the interview, mm-hmm. and you'll be introducing the very man himself. <laughs> At the this year's page lecture series, speaker series in October. So that's here on camp. Well, not necessarily on campus. It would it? be normally, yeah. So we've had to mm. go virtual this year, mm-hmm. um, but I think normally it does take place uh, here on campus. And last year we had uh, Marilyn Dumont come in, and, mm-hmm. and that was really incredible. So it's a series that invites. Um, usually a prominent Canadian author. Right, that's and, great. And they talk, yeah, it's very exciting. So I, I um, know the organizer a little bit from my time at Ottawa University. Right. Um, and because my research sort of intersects with the same concerns that Fred Waugh has, he invited me to, to introduce him. So that's coming up uh, in Fantastic. October, which is, yeah, it was really serendipitous. And I'm I'm really excited to get to be a part of that, even virtually. Yes. <laughs> so it will be online and I think uh, available to accessible to everyone. So That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, you're certainly doing a lot. <laughs> and it's nice that everything sort of comes back to basically your research as well, which is really lovely for you, isn't it? It is. I hope I hope that uh, it all, yeah, that it all kind of coalesces <laughs> into I th- I something. Think it, I think it does. And yeah. you've clearly got a passion for it. So don't lose that passion because yeah. that's really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to have to stop there. Okay. I'm sorry about that. No, this has but been great. We're, we're definitely going to have to bring you back because you've clearly got lots to say <laughs> and uh, you're doing some fascinating stuff. Thank so you so much. Please think about coming back a bit later as well. I will. Thank you. So that's it, everyone. A, another week of Grad Chat suddenly comes to an end. Don't forget you can do- download this show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google, Google Podcast or Stitcher. Just type in a Grad Chat. Until till next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. This podcast is produced in collaboration with CFRC.ca in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Infrastructure support for the CFRC podcast project is provided by Queen's University's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences. For more information or to get involved in podcasting, visit podcasts.cfrc.ca.